0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of BPM, the podcast where we get behind people's music. I'm your host, Ashley Scrace Vendel. Communicator, musician, podcaster, event host, general annoyance, as I say most weeks, and welcome to BPM, Behind People's Music, the podcast where we really look at some of the unsung voices from the music industry, perhaps some people who need a little bit more exposure or deserve a little bit more of your time. So, welcome along to this episode. The musician in question this week is a guy called Hans from his band Grizzly Bird, and we will be talking about that in a minute. But first, we're going to bring back a little bit of a feature here where I talk about the albums of the week. Have we lost the touch that does so much? Have we lost the human touch? So what have I been listening to this week? Well, there's been actually quite a lot of good music out this week that i'm really into one was jim james's order of nature but i'm not going to do much on that this week because i can sum it up quite quickly it is orchestral rock um it's a bit different to my morning jacket stuff jim james being the lead singer of my morning jacket and to be quite frank while i appreciate the effort i haven't really gelled with it as much but it might be something for you to listen to so very very quick recommendation Semi recommendation would be Jim James' Order of Nature. So maybe listen to that if you're into this sort of thing. But the main thing I want to talk about this week is the latest from Kentucky punk power pop rock band White Reaper. The album is You Deserve Love. October 2019 it's the follow-up to their 2017 album the world's best American band an album that in 2017 I claimed was the best album of the year across all genres it was short sharp punchy a lot of fun and just a really good time and a great album it also was one of the loudest albums I've ever heard and I said this before but it was mixed in such a way that volume was really uh, promoted but not at the expense of, of the sound itself because you can over-amplify these things and just jack up the volume and it really affects the dynamics and that wasn't so. It was very well mixed, very well mastered and uh, yeah, really, really great album. So check that out, definitely. Now, the problem when you release an album like that, like the world's best American band, is that the follow-up is going to be hotly anticipated and you know, a lot of the time it doesn't quite live up to what you had before. And that is the case here. You Deserve Love is a really, really great album. And I just want to start off by saying that. Uh, but it doesn't quite match the world's best American band. You Deserve Love uh, comes in at just under half an hour. It's actually very short, crams in ten tracks there. So you can see that most of the tracks are sort of around two minutes or so. And that's not a big deal because White Reaper really do pack a lot into Not Very Long. They've really got this sort of Thin Lizzy, Ramones vibe, but then sometimes kind of got this OK Go sound. On some of their singles from this album, for example, Might Be Right was the lead single, and that almost sounds like something from OK Go or The Strokes, which is a bit different, and that's not a bad thing at all, but they definitely have this sort of Thin Lizzy, classic rock, punk pop vibe, and uh, that really emanates through most of the tracks on here. It's a bit more synth heavy uh you deserve love there's a few tracks on there where really the riff from the synth does drive the song rather than the guitar and i wonder if sometimes that's to the detriment of the album because i quite like their little sort of dueling guitar solos uh, which they used to do uh, you think that they're using effects like a sort of slight delay or stereo effect but actually it's two guitarists mirroring each other um but it's still a very very great album and uh, really really appreciate that they've released it and put it out and I'm really really hoping that White Reaper get more exposure, they're a lovely bunch of guys, they've got this sort of false arrogance cockiness about them and if you buy the vinyl like I did it comes on this lovely lime green pressing and with it is this horrible poster and it is truly horrible um, that comes with it and I think it's more of a joke, they sort of look like a boy band like Boyzone or something from the 90s, they're all in white and they look very angelic and they've got this sort of false smile on their face and I think it's meant as a joke. Uh, either that or it's a really terrible poster, but it's a great album overall, I would say particular sort of picks on there are the tracks, Headwind, the track that starts it off, might be right, the single I really like, Uh, Raw I really liked quite a lot, 1F is one that gets a lot of play, and uh, Hard Luck I also like, got a good few riffs there now, there's a few forgettable ones on there out of 10 which you know being that it's such a short album you don't really want many forgettable ones but there are a couple unfortunately but overall a very solid effort and if you're into punk rock sort of power pop kind of stuff and you like your music a little bit more slap in the face then uh, definitely check it out and that is white reaper with the album you deserve love I've been checking out is something that came out a little while ago and I was very late to the party and I only just sort of listened to the singles and stuff and that is Sharon Van Etten's album Remind Me Tomorrow. Sharon Van Etten is an artist who I've liked for a very long time, but she hasn't released anything for quite a while. This album, Remind Me Tomorrow, is actually a follow-up to her 2014 album, Are We There?, which I absolutely adored. Um, I remember the songs on there, like, I to them just 10 minutes ago, but my particular favourite is one called Afraid of Nothing, which I have mentioned on the podcast before, and it's a really touching song that I really recommend you dig out and find. This new album has a certain uh, genre and sort of feel to it that is a bit different to "Are We There." "Are We There" had this kind of singer-songwritery folk vibe to it, um, something very similar, almost to like Joni Mitchell or Carol King or something. In places, uh, it still kept these experimental edges, but it wasn't, you know, too too dissimilar to any of sort of West Coast uh, singer-songwriter kind of vibes. Remind Me Tomorrow is a bit of a departure from that in that it sort of blends into synth rock, uh, art rock, pop rock. I would still class it as sort of indie or alternative, whatever that means these days. Um, but it's a bit different and um, a little bit of a departure, perhaps, from her previous stuff. I was actually informed by a previous guest on this podcast that this is because... Um, and go and check that out, by the way. It's the band Vals, Vowels, A-E-I-O-U, Vals. Vowels. Um, That this was because Sharon Van Etten actually met Michael Cera, the actor, who's into synths, and this really inspired her. I don't know how true that is, and I've actually not been able to find that uh, in some places, but um, I know that she wrote a lot of these songs while she was pregnant, and expecting her first child, and trying to balance life as an artist with living in New York, and just all the other shit that's going on in her life. And there is just so much heart in this record. It Remind Me Tomorrow, and At times I get Kate Bush vibes from it, at times I get Blondie vibes from it, and then at times I do get, what I said earlier, this kind of Joni Mitchell-y, singer-songwriter-y vibe from it. There's a lot of songs here about sort of being at the edge of contentness and finding things you love, but also finding the sort of dark sort of tinge to some of the things you love as well, and there's really this sort of mournful, melancholic pulse throughout all of it, which um, is really, really great, and I just think puts you in such a lovely headspace. I will still maintain that Are We There is a better album. It's just more in line with my listening tastes, but the effort that's gone into this album is fantastic, it's surprising, it's sad, it's comforting, it's a real jumble of emotions this album, and it's put together fantastically, there's some really great vocal work from Sharon and really great musical work from the rest of her band and i think this will probably be on my end of year list um of the best albums to be perfectly honest along with angel orson probably white reaper as well will sneak onto there somehow and the springsteen album definitely will be on there somehow but um i just think this is a really really good album and totally worth checking out so that's sharon van etten remind me tomorrow But now let's get into the main meat of the episode. This week, be prepared for a very melodic, peaceful, sensitive, contemplative trip as I talk to Hans from the band Grizzly Bird, an acoustic folk rock experimental outfit about music and how you fit it into your life, especially when you've had a kid touring, releasing albums, and what animals can teach us about the world. Hans is one of the most... Just thoughtful, sensitive, well-mannered, well-spoken people I've had on the podcast. And it was so meditative to just uh, talk to him. And I think you'll hear that here, that it's so relaxing and calm. And um, he's really got some great stories to tell. And some really, really good aims with his music. Just a lovely down-to-earth guy. So this is what happened when I met Hans from Grizzly Bird my
1: friends won't leave their homes they want to be
2: alone my name is hans i'm the uh, singer and songwriter of grizzly bird Um, i used to be called hans solo um, but i changed the the name last year and with the name change also came a new lineup so grizzly bird is a trio um, with a bass player and a drummer and me on guitar and voice
0: what was the di- what's the difference between the hand solo and grizzly bird because that was actually my first question on here you mentioned it already that you were hand solo for a little while yeah so what sort of was the difference and what made you make that change? Uh,
2: there, there isn't really that much of a difference like um my approach to songwriting is pretty much the same and um the new album that just came out is um for me it's just my third record like it's a continuation of the, the first two but um uh, i have a steady lineup now so we're a trio and i wanted to have a, a band name that that doesn't confuse people and think uh, that's m- a band name that doesn't confuse people and makes them think that it's just me like I wanted to have, but because it feels weird uh, on being on stage and saying we are Han Solo, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But we are yeah. Grizzly Bird makes more sense. Yeah. And there were just like over the years, I kind of got tired of the joke of, of the pun Han Solo, and there were just many reasons to change the name. And at some point, I thought, no, now is the time to change it. Yeah.
0: So how did Grizzly Bird come together? So your bandmates, you have played with them before, or this just sort of happened by you reaching out?
2: Yeah, I've been I've been um, playing live for 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 six or seven years now, I think, um, and I played with a very large lineup. Like I had a string quartet and oh, wow. drums and uh, my wife on second guitar and second voice. Um, so we were seven people on stage, but um, it got more more and more complicated over time to find the time to rehearse together and to find stages that are big enough and, and sound checks were always really, really bad with the, yeah. with the yeah. string quartet. And it's just, um, yeah, it, I still like the idea of including the strings, but it was just very complex and, and didn't always work perfectly. And I kind of felt the need to, to kind of do a restart of the lineup and do it more simple, but more effective and like have the biggest sound possible with the least players possible. And, um, Yeah, I put put an ad on Mm. BerlinMusica.de, like Mm. I made an ad online looking for a bass player and for a drummer and yeah, actually I found the drummer in 24 hours and uh, the bass player took some more time, but um, yeah, I haven't met them before. We just met over the ad and it was a very good fit. Like we've been playing together for two years now and I'm still very happy about that.
0: And what is it that's good or different about playing in the band being, you know, in this sort of project you led yourself? Do you find that there's like a different dynamic? Is it like a different groove you get?
2: Well, because we have a bass and a drum and no no sensible acoustic instruments, we can just be (laughs) we can be louder and be be more like a rock band. And uh, that does change a lot. Just
0: um, how would you describe your sound? Actually, while we're talking about that, it's kind of like pop alt folk, I guess, in a sort of very broad sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, well, the the guy who wrote my new press biography um, just put multi-genre in there. <laughs> which
0: is, um, that was either really lazy or a really good idea.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can. I think we do stay in a in a folk context or in a in a yeah pop context. Even I think even though there's always like an experimental edge to it, but it's not like we don't do everything. We don't do hip hop. <laughs> no, yeah, but um, like this is always the hardest question to me describing the sound. I don't. Yeah, of course it. it is.
0: Like no, 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 it's really difficult, and to an extent, maybe you shouldn't. But yeah, who who influences you then? In this or what influences you? <laughs> like, it doesn't um, have to be music related, right? So yeah, I've,
2: I've thought about that, and like. The thing is, um, everything influences me. Like when I when I see a reggae show, I, I think, oh, I want to do that. If when I want to see a stoner rock band, I think, oh, I want to do that. And like, when I see something that I don't like, I think that's what influences me the most because that shows me what I want to avoid and yeah. everything I like, I want to do. But um, <clears throat> obviously, I don't do stoner rock because I'm not very good at it. Um, whereas I'm good on the acoustic guitar. Um, And that's the biggest influence on the sound, just uh, writing guitar-based songs, acoustic guitar-based songs
1: mostly. Late in the evening, she found her way to me. I had fallen asleep when she kissed me on the cheek. she disappear but her message was clear i am still here is what she sang into
0: my ear. your first album uh, that came out what's that called that was called empathy right the uh, first grizzly album the first grizzly Bird, first Bird, grizzly Bird album yep, that's yeah that's empathy and and that i was reading about it and listening to it and it says it's i read something you posted that said it's about animals yeah like Can it's tell us tell us a little bit about that um <clears throat> Yeah, it's like, it's
2: really about animals, like every song is about animals. Um, and yeah, I kind of really wanted to make a, a statement with the record. So it's more than just a collection of songs. It's, um, yeah, I wanted to, to have kind of a philosophical, uh, political statement
0: in there. Yeah, because yeah, it's a song that, it's, I think it's called like Coco and... Yeah, Kanz- Coco and Kanzi. or something. Yeah. Tell us a bit about what that's about. You're probably better to explain it than <laughs> I will.
2: Um, yeah, Coco and Kanzi are two, two uh, apes. One is a gorilla and the other one is a bonobo. And um, they're real-life animals um, uh, who have been part of experiments that went on for, for decades. And they've uh, Coco, the gorilla, she's been taught to talk with... Uh, sign language, American Sign Language, and Kanzi um, talks via via uh, com- computer interface. And um, yeah, they've been famous for learning human language, human communication, and both of them have been part of an experiment that kind of never ended and the, their researchers lost lost the scientific approach like both of them got too close to the animals and so what could have been really really interesting at some point got kind of became a joke a joke in the scientific community um because like the researchers have been reading too much into them at some points and yeah kind of (laughs) lost lost the i
0: got lost um yeah, but <laughs> I know. You, but yeah, the, the purpose is kind of gone, I guess. But what were you trying to convey in the song about that? Then <laughs> was it just to capture what you just said, or were you trying to make a wider point, like you mentioned? What was it trying to say in the song? Because um... <laughs> <laughs> when I first read about it and saw this picture of apes, I was like, "Come on, he's joking, right? Like that's got to be a joke." And then I listened to it, it was like, "Oh no, he really wasn't joking." But... No,
2: um, yeah, I'm, I'm both fascinated by them. And I think there's really, like, really interesting stuff happening with these animals. And I think they can really tell us about a lot about the animal minds and what, what animals are, are capable of. And at the same time, I think it's a bit funny. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> what would you say differentiates or, like, makes you different from other folk-based acts? Because there are a lot of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I think a lot of my lyrics are a bit more like short stories and like they're quite accessible. Like um, when I listen to other people's songs, most of the time I don't really understand what they're about. Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> people kind of get what my songs are about like when they first hear it um, because they're not like uh, metaphors about metaphors but just like they're more plain. And for years I I thought that like that's a weakness, but now I think it's actually a strength. And that. so yeah, there's that. And um, I do uh, always keep like an um, experimental edge to my songwriting. Like the also the like the structures. They're not just like verse, chorus, verse, songs, but the the structure like always um, mirrors the story happening in, in the lyrics.
1: She likes to eat candy Coco loves cats and she wants to have a baby
0: So your album came out how long ago now? We're recording this by the way, it should be set in July So this might be a little bit off by the time the episode Uh, comes out The album
2: came out on on June 14th, so pretty much a month ago
0: And how has it gone so far in terms of success from it? Like, What were your ambitions with the album? Did you have any goals with it? Um,
2: like with the state of the music industry with the whole streaming thing like releasing a record is just a financial mess and so like I had ambitions with my last album and this time around I just at some point I just wanted to release it and um, if some people buy the CD then that makes me very happy and it gives me some money which I need to make the next album Mm -hmm. but like um Realistically, not many people will buy the CD and people will just listen to it on Spotify and I'll get my three euros a year. Yes, yeah, three it. So, euros uh, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But um, you, you still but play live to support the album and things? I've been on like on a baby leave for the, for the yeah, last year. We, yeah. we did the release launch um, in Berlin and I'm hoping to play more shows like in, in, in winter yeah, with, with the band. Releasing an album online, it just you get nothing back. Like people might listen to it, but you, you don't notice it. And like, um, it's it's important to get some some positive feedback once in a while. And you get that when you play live. Like, like immediately, it's um, much more rewarding than than just to yeah. Last year, even when I wasn't playing because of uh, having a baby, but like for some reason. The, in one year two people wrote to me who saw me live like five or four years ago um, and just wrote wanted to say uh, like uh, they really remember that show four five years ago one of them was in in Padua in Italy and wanted to say like uh, they bought my album back then and just it's been accompanying them in their life and that's just like things like that are, are so good to hear so so motivating like to keep going that was really
0: really good for me yeah so aside from playing live more which you'd like to do what are your sort of next steps or ambitions with grizzly Bird? yeah
2: and like i'm already thinking about the next record because i still have enough songs to record um and like i really want to get
0: these done at some point yeah because you said to me before we started recording you haven't actually written a song for a long time now
2: yeah, that's
0: true, but... Um, but I guess you still have a big backlog. Of I have
2: things. all the songs that I've written for, for the string quartet um, that I've been playing with, and I've been kind of scared of recording these because they're, like, they're really important for me, and um, I always felt that, uh, that like, we're not quite ready for recording them yet, and I really want to just get these done at some point. Like, it's, yeah, big artistic goal. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that's cool. With the band as well. And I guess they yeah. enjoy playing with you also. So that should work out quite nicely. Yeah.
2: So, um, where can people find out more about you? Uh, on Facebook, I guess. And on my webpage, uh, grizzlybird.de. I have a blog that I don't post to that much anymore because I have the feeling that people don't read blogs anymore. So I, uh, most of my stuff appears on Facebook. And I actually have a newsletter too, like real Old-fashioned email newsletter for people that speak German.
0: (laughs) Um, You're going to play a song in a minute, right? For us, that we can hear. Tell us a little bit about what it is you've picked to play. Um,
2: I wanted to do a song from from the new album, because it just came out. Um, And actually, a lot of of the songs um, I can't really play by myself. I need the band to play them. But uh, I chose the song La Nugo, which is the last song on the album. <clears throat> and when I wrote the song, and the song like came out of nowhere to me and uh, I recorded it really quickly and then I thought it's impossible to play live. But um, I figured out a really simplified version of it, like a really reduced um, version of it that um, I just would like to try. Sure. Then let's give it a go.
0: Um, we'll get set up for that in a second, but otherwise, Hans, sorry, it's been a little bit of like back and forth with me trying to find the time, but thank you very much. Uh, thank you.
1: I was born with a tail, I was breathing through guilt. I was covered in fur I was living in a shell I was born with a tail I was breathing through kills. I was covered in fur I was living in a shell and fall. Th-
0: that's it from BPM Pod this week. Thank you very much for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here, and I really hope you'll stop by soon for another episode of BPM Pod. If you would like to find out more about BPM Pod, you can do so by going to Facebook and that's at BPM Pod. You can also go to Instagram at BPM Pod and after a kind of hiccup with the website in that I maybe forgot to renew hosting, you can go to bpmpod.com. The podcast is also available across all of your listening platforms and that includes Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Google Music. I think it's also available on YouTube, Acast, Podbean, Radio Public. There's a bunch of podcast apps out there and you can find it across all of them. So do just search for BPM Pod or BPM Podcast and it will definitely come up. But until next time, take care of one another. Have a great day or week or well, month, wherever you are, whenever I next speak to you, just have a great time out there. Stay lucky and I will be back soon.